Hi there, this is Erin Nicole, and you're listening to the Move Happy Movement podcast. On this show, I interview people from all over the world, anyone from professional custodians all the way up to presidential candidates of international countries. One day, my big bodacious dream is to interview our top-level leadership as well as their spouses on the show, uh, because the whole mission of Move Happy is to help empower you, especially if you have depression, to find happiness from within and to not give up hope. And I believe our top level leadership, whether you're in the United States where I was born, or whether you grew up in another country and you have a president or you have a king or queen that's your top level leader or chief in your nation, I believe we can learn from those that lead large groups of people because they get a lot of pressure that we could never imagine unless we were actually in their role as well. Uh, One day that is my hope and dream so if you're listening to the show and you got some connections uh, give me a shout out I'd appreciate it. Um, Sometimes on the show I also feel spirit led to talk on conversations on topics that I believe in my faith system the creator of the universe puts on my heart to share with you and then sometimes I share some original music that ties into those spirit-led topics and I was in the middle of washing my dishes just had gotten ready for the day Um, it's one of my days off from my day job and I'm cleaning up my dishes and whatnot and the creator is like stop what you're doing turn off the water I'm like all right I want you to go and talk on the power of healing. So I said, okay, I'm obedient. I'm going to go do it. I've never been steered wrong when I've listened to my faith system. And whatever your deity is, we at Move Happy and our nonprofit arm, Aaron Nicole Ministries for our veterans and first responders, we love you. We respect your faith. And that's the beautiful thing about living in the United States of America is that you do have the freedom from religious per- persecution. There are some countries that still will kill you if you claim to be a Christian. And we're in year 2022. Uh, So I'm grateful for where I grew up and I'm I'm grateful to learn from other faith systems and find the tenets, uh, find the similarities in our belief systems because I believe and we as a family believe in unity. And we believe when we as leaders in society, when we find ways to have common ground with others, that's where peace is formed. And we believe that peace is a desire uh, from nation to nation. But it does take people to step up, be leaders in their homes, be leaders at their jobs, be leaders in their faith systems, in their churches, synagogues, temples, etc., Uh, and be the best version of yourself. So today's topic on healing, it's completely impromptu. There was nothing pre-planned about it. Um, Healing in itself has a variety of definitions. uh, Depending on what you need healing from, perhaps you need spiritual healing, or maybe you've had recurring negative thought patterns of self-harm or harming others. And so you need some spiritual healing to rid yourself of those habitual thoughts, negative thought patterns. Perhaps you need a physical healing 
maybe you've been diagnosed with something or maybe you had an injury on the job or on the playground and you've got a cast on. Maybe you were diagnosed with something recently and uh, you're having some shaky bodily movements and it's hard to write on paper and make it be legible or it's hard to button up your shirt uh, because you've lost the sensation in your fingers. Whatever the, the level of healing you need, we believe the creator of the universe has the power to heal you and you have the power within yourself. If you have a faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. If the creator of the universe desires for you to be healed, you will be healed. But you have to speak it out loud. You have to speak it out loud once and continually thank the creator or thank your deity for allowing the healing to take place in their perfect timing. I listen a lot to a variety of spiritual leaders, and one in particular I've been listening to um, since he was introduced to me back uh, the year my father died in 2016, Joel Osteen. He's he's a powerful speaker. Um, he's got one of the largest churches in the United States, if not the world, and I remember him speaking specifically on the power of our words and the power of healing. And if we ask the creator once, we have to believe that it's already on the way. The gift of healing is already on the way. And he gave the specific example of his mother being diagnosed with terminal cancer. Um, I want to say it was back in the 80s. And she was given zero hope of survival but they believed something differently, and she continually prayed in their household, walking around, thanking the Creator for healing her, providing her healing. She got down to a really tiny amount of weight. I think he said at one point she was about 80 or 90 pounds, so very small. And um, if you're converting for your units of measure, I think it's 2.21 pounds um, is one kilogram. I believe. So she was probably like 45 kilograms or somewhere around there, 40. Uh, so very, very tiny structure. And yet she had that faith as small as a mustard seed and she's still alive today. Um, so there is power in healing. Um, not all of us are healed in the physical realm. Um, I had to learn. It was a really challenging thing for me to find peace about. Uh, my father had cancer uh, when I was 11, and he was what we believed uh, with the medicine scientific level of research at the time. Um, so this was in 97 or thereabouts, because I remember I was 11 years old when he was diagnosed, and I was born in 86, so there, do the math. Uh, he was diagnosed, and at that time, they would kill the organ as kidney cancer. They would kill it, and the other kidney, because most people are born with two, uh, that the second kidney would enlarge in size. It would take over the job of both kidneys. And if you're not familiar with what the kidneys do, they actually filter uh, toxins out of the body. Um, blood flows through them, urine flows through them, and they filter out all the bad, and they release it out through um, the urinal tract. And... I'm about to sneeze. Oh, it went away. <laughs> um, so I remember my father, similar to Joel's mother, being so skinny. He, My dad was always a larger man. Um, 
and the year that he got the cancer where they they had to kill the kidney they put this really long needle I remember my mom describing it to friends and I'm you know 11 and I'm sitting and listening to this they put this really long like nine inch needle in straight in through the skin and they put 90% alcohol so it slowly died within his body and anything around it um, died the kid they that was what they did they just massive um, just death and I don't remember how long it took for it to die because children don't have the greatest sense of of time um, and I wasn't like a planner at this point in life but it seemed like it was about a month a month of agony that my dad had to endure And I want to say he got down to like a hundred pounds. And I think my dad was like five foot 10 inches or thereabouts. Um, so for him to be that skinny, he might've not actually been a hundred pounds, but I remember him being so skinny where his face, I could see the bones sticking out of his face and his clavicle. It was scary. I thought my father was going to die. And the year that my divorce had finalized, it was my 30th birthday, and then a few weeks later I had moved uh, closer to my job. At the time I was a manager of a gym, and we noticed that Dad's breath he was, he was having a hard time. Mom and Dad were helping me move boxes from the car. We had to walk around the sidewalk to my apartment. It was the last one in the facility. <clears throat> Past all the other apartments on the backside. So it was maybe two or 300 feet. And we just gave him the light boxes. And he was so out of breath, he had to get his big inhaler out because he had been diagnosed with asthma a couple years prior. We think it was a misdiagnosis. We think the cancer had come back, but they didn't They didn't test for that because he was told he was cured um, at that time. And something told me something wasn't right. Uh, they initially said that he had pneumonia, and so for about two weeks, we thought that he had pneumonia, and they had him, I believe, on antibiotics, trying to kill the uh, you know, harmful side effects of the pneumonia, and he just wasn't getting better. My parents took a trip uh, out to uh, one of his favorite places, Mo Clips, um, in Washington, and or it might have been on the border of Oregon, uh, but somewhere out on the water, and... He had to come back from the trip because he wasn't feeling well and he knew it was his time. I had to learn to let go of him because he didn't he didn't get healed that second time. And he didn't want to fight it. It was difficult because Nobody wants to lose their parent if they're a good person, if they've done their part and they've parented and taken care of you the best that they could with the knowledge 
financial resources, spiritual resources that they had. And I was such a daddy's girl. It's part of the reason I believe my mom and I had so much uh, friction <laughs> because she could see so much of my daddy and me. And you might have, in the last couple of years, either with the pandemic or just the timing of life, you might have lost somebody close to you, maybe a parent, maybe a spouse, maybe a family member, friend, a coworker that you've known for years. And maybe you're having a hard time understanding why they were not given the gift of healing. My hope for you, my comfort for you is to remind you that this this physical realm on earth, this is a temporary place. Eternity is forever. And none of us, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow, as I spoke about a couple episodes before. None of us are guaranteed any amount of time on this earth. If we walked on this earth every day, assuming that it was our last day, giving the best at our jobs, giving the best love and attention to our family members and to ourselves, having that quiet time to meditate, to pray if you so believe in prayer and spend that time doing something every day that you enjoy that brings you more happiness so that you can be kinder and happier to others. If we spent every single day assuming that it was our last, how much more could we accomplish? There is a power in healing even through death. I chose on the day of my dad's funeral to not waste time and energy on things that are so trivial. There were hundreds maybe a thousand people in the room. They had to move more chairs. Into the room when my father's life was honored. And many of those chairs were because of the the relationships that my mother had made with others and the comfort that they wanted to provide to my mom. But many, many of those people that were there traveled from around the nation. Customers of his from 40 years of being a professional in sales. I had no idea. I had no idea because my father was so quiet in the home because he had given his energy his love his work ethic he had given that all to people outside of our family 
to provide housing for us, to be that financial breadwinner for the family. My parents had decided early on in their marriage that they believed that one person should stay at home and take care of the children. Uh, Mom had worked a little while when they first had my eldest brother, uh, but they quickly realized the financial strain of paying for a daycare service wasn't really worth it. They were barely breaking even. And she believed, and my, my father believed as well, that it would be better that one person be available to take us to doctor's appointments and be available for school events and whatnot. And she homeschooled all three of us, um, my middle brother and I, until we got into sixth grade. My eldest brother got to go to public school sooner uh, because uh, <laughs> he needed professionals. Uh, outside of the household and I think my mom needed a break from <laughs> from him every family member or every family has a challenging uh, sibling and it was the year that I went into public school for the first time that dad had gotten cancer the first time And we had 19 years after that. 19. I didn't know how many years. And our dad worked long hours, 12 to 14 hours. He did not have two consecutive days off for from the time I was 11 until I was 30 when he passed. He had Wednesdays and Sundays off. He got up at midnight and worked most days. He got home around 3 p.m. We had dinner at 5, and then he went to bed at 7. We had to be quiet in our household at 7 p.m. So most of my upbringing from middle school on through high school, I spent at friends' houses or I spent quiet in my room because our father needed a quiet space. So that's part of the miracle of uh, the musical genius in our family uh, from both my middle brother and myself. Uh, the the uh, opportunities that we've been able to have is supernatural favor because we didn't have the capacity to practice in the home. We had to be quiet. We were very focused when we were in our music program outside of the house and I believe we were supposed to be in that environment to demonstrate the power, the miracle working power of the creator of the universe, that there is no other way that we could have had that level of success without having the opportunity for hours and hours and hours of practice in the physical realm but the spiritual realm can speed things up the creator if the creator desires for you to have a gift to share with the world if your intention within your heart is pure to bring more love light unity peace patience all of those things that they can use your gift as uh, steve harvey often says your gifts will make room for you when you lean into your areas of strength, your gifts will make room for you. 
And although my father did not get healed in the physical realm, I believe in the spiritual realm, his, his spirit lives on and on and on, and he has been looking out for me as I have continued to share the story of Move Happy. Because had my father not passed away so suddenly, had I not received so much kindness from strangers in my brand new job working in a psychiatric hospital, I don't I don't think I would have ever created the program. All of the leading up events had to happen in order for me to desire to contribute back. The healing that took place for me was by contribution, and I've spoken on that a few times on the on this show. Healing for me was adding value in this workspace that I knew would make the hospital better, that I knew would be using my gifts, my talents, my creative resources to not cost the hospital anything, to benefit both the patients and the hospital, and to distract me from crying every day. I didn't want to throw a blanket over my head and give up. I wanted to keep going. I wanted to exercise during the work day because I was exhausted every day after work. I wanted to have a group where people talked about what was possible and what they were grateful for because I knew growing up in the church when we had prayer time where we gave a praise and we gave a prayer request where we were real with our feelings, our thoughts, our needs, but we also focused on being, being grateful that there was so much healing power in that. And many of these people didn't have those experiences that I had. And I wanted to provide a safe space and opportunity for them to receive that because the traditional therapy, I'm not knocking on traditional therapy by any means, (coughs) but traditional therapies talk about the problem. And when you keep focusing on what's wrong, you magnify it. You continue its power, and then what? Then you expect people to heal? No, talk about what you desire to be your reality. Because what you send out in the world comes back to you. And I knew that. I knew that because I was listening to Tony Robbins. I was listening to Joel Osteen. I was listening to Oprah Winfrey, Joyce Myers, Les Brown, Jim Rohn, all of these people I was listening to on my car ride to work about 40 40 to 45 minutes, give or take a day, and the level of traffic, to and from work an hour and a half minimum. Every single day I was pouring in. I was allowing these leaders to speak life into me, and they were carrying me through. Yes, I was taking action as well. And there was so much healing that took place through creating the program, having the support of the team, 
having all the staff members that were power influencers uh, being invited to give me feedback prior to the launch, helping to make it better. There was so much healing in that because it validated me as a human being and it also patted them on the back because they knew that I was creating something to add value to the space. So it validated their decision on hiring me when they interviewed many people. And I, I was grateful to be offered the position. I had never worked in a psychiatric hospital prior to that. I worked in the school system, pre-K through 12th grade, health and fitness, middle school math, health, high school health. I designed my own curriculums everywhere I went because we did not ever have a budget in the school districts that I worked in because I worked in low-income areas and no one had the means to pay more in taxes, nor did they desire to. So I always had to be resourceful, and that was healing me because I'm creative and not only did I uh, have the opportunity to to heal through creating my own programs that I then then I also got to facilitate and patients started spreading word and staff members were like yeah sending patients to me we maxed capacity we had to expand our our size of room we started passing out the journals to patients that couldn't gain access we had a wait list We didn't have enough space for them. There was interest in happiness. The power of healing is possible through contribution. It's definitely possible through exercise and music. By the third round, we started asking for more and more feedback. The patients started opening up more because they saw that we were taking their feedback and we were incorporating it into the program. And so it wasn't just mine and Sayaka's program. It was everyone's program. Patients started stepping up as leaders. I had to leave to start getting trained for a promotion within the hospital half days so I was gone training and a staff member took over the class for me and thanked me for creating it because in her own words Erin I am so grateful you created this program I know that I need to exercise more during the day but I am tired by the end of the work day I love that you have this done-for-me program where the patients know exactly what to do. All I have to do is show up and facilitate the questions. My goal before we launched Move Happy was to create a program that gave a positive first experience for fitness and exercise and or a positive experience after a long time of maybe having bad experiences in the past around fitness so that patients would have intrinsic motivation to want to exercise when they got discharged from the hospital. That was goal number one. Goal number two was to create a program that did not add any costs, any 
uh, bills or anything to the hospital other than printing the copies of the journals, the paper, paper copy fees, and the cost of, you know, writing utensils. That would be a benefit. And we exceeded that goal. All of the members that helped contribute to the program had their names included in the creation, and they also were given digital copies of the program to be able to sell if they so chose to do so. That was what we agreed upon in the beginning. And it brought so much healing to the hospital, to myself, to the patients, and I believe also to the staff members. We had psychologists that were sending the grumpiest of grumpy patients to our group because they were like, you need some happiness and you need some fitness. <laughs> we had one guy who was so grumpy every single day. He was kind of like, if you ever watched, uh, I think it was on Sesame Street or Winnie the Pooh. I forget which show, but Snuffleupagus. I think it was Sesame Street. He always was like, mm, just kind of a Debbie Downer, if you you will. And every single day, I would ask him. We'll call him. Uh, we'll call him Adam. It's not his real name, just to keep his name private. Hey, Adam, how's your day going? He's like, so so. Every single day, I was there. He joined our th our group the third round. Uh, he didn't join by choice. He was voluntold from his treatment team. And he, he made it loud and announced it to everybody in the group. Um, he thought that our programming was stupid. He wasn't going to do any exercise. He was lots of negative energy. And I was like, whoo, this is going to be a good challenge. But I love a good challenge. So I let him be. I said, hey, man. I don't mind if you don't want to exercise. I don't mind if you don't want to share responses to the journal prompts. If you don't mind, though, if you could keep your comments to yourself, that'll help other people not be influenced uh, by your attitude. Is that something that you feel? And I said this to him privately. Is that something that you feel you could uh, be able to do? And he's like, okay, you're not going to force me to do anything? I said, nope. You join in when you're ready. He's like, okay. A week later, he's sitting outside. They had these chairs. The uh, hall monitors could sit in if they wanted to. And uh, we had 10-minute breaks between the group therapy classes. So he was sitting in the chair right outside my office, and I'm going to grab the journals and pencils and whatnot um, and uh, change my outfit to my workout clothes. And I seen him smiling, and I was like, Hey, Adam, how's your day going? And he's like, it's going great. And I was like, whoa, what? <laughs> you never say that. Well, can you tell me why it's great? And he's like, yeah, I just had my tre treatment team meeting. And uh, it went really well. And also, I just wanted to thank you. I was like, all right, what's going on? And he's like, Aaron, you never forced me to exercise. Like, I was really nervous about being in your group because I haven't exercised for a long time, and I was really worried about uh, not being as fit as the other people in the group. But you didn't judge me at all. You didn't even force me to exercise. Like, you let me choose what I wanted to 
contribute and I see what you're doing with the other patients and I'm gonna I'm gonna start participating in, in everything. Um, I might not be as fast as the other patients when we're exercising, um, but I'm I'm gonna give you my best because I can see you're giving me your best. And I was just blown away. It only took him seven days to be around the positive energy, the kindness, the compassion from the other patients in the room and from my colleague Sayaka. Sayaka didn't talk much in the group. She really allowed me to take the lead and she would chime in every now and then with deeper level questions, especially for the patients that we had some alumni that were in the group. But I really appreciated her being almost like in the school system, being that mentor teacher, allowing me to make mistakes, to grow, and then challenging me outside of the group therapy hours, um, outside of the class sessions, like, hey, what do you think about this? I noticed this about this patient. Um, here are some ideas to take it to the next level. She was, she was an incredible mentor. Um, and to be able to get that feedback from a patient after only seven days of being in our group, he saw, he saw something good. And he did. He did start participating in everything, in every part started exercising he started participating in journaling and he actually became the person that would snap at people and say hey you interrupted so and so and he made sure that everyone's voice in the group was heard when you give autonomy to people whether they're children whether they're adults autonomy is allowing them the opportunity to have choices to have a sense of freedom. When you allow them autonomy, they start taking charge. They start taking responsibility. And there is an art to it. There's not just like this, this scripted out book of this is what you do for adults, this is what you do for kids. Like I believe there are, and the research also demonstrates there are uh, little bits of autonomy you, you share with children um, from, you know, very young ages all the way up through adulthood. But everyone desires to be heard, to be cared for, to be listened to. And if you give people a space for that and you allow them their freedom to be themselves and you challenge them to take leadership positions, people will rise to the occasion and that was so much healing for me because it was something that I created out of nothing and I allowed for the patients and staff to participate to make it better one in particular in that same group the third round had suggested that on Mondays we have music Mondays where the patients got to choose what uh, music they wanted to listen to during the workout times and I was like that's a great idea I don't know why I didn't think of that before because it, as they could see that we were allowing the patients to make decisions that it were we were incorporating into the group as long as it didn't cost us a lot of money because we didn't have a budget and as long as it didn't harm anyone within the group or um, disrespect their faith or their gender or their uh, sexual orientation, as long as we showed respect to them as human beings, um, we allowed them to start giving us ideas to make it better. And that's the nice thing about when you facilitate groups, programs, things like that. Um, 
yes, you have your main structure of what it's supposed to look like. But with teaching, with group therapy, with anything that involves groups, uh, you have the science side, but you also have the creative art side. And if you can incorporate your personality and your participants' personality, um, that's what makes it even more fun. And that was so healing for me. That was the one group therapy program that was billable to the state. Um, if you haven't listened to any other episode, you also know that we had three group therapy programs that um, I developed and or helped co-develop uh, with other staff members that started rising up, adding their gifts because they saw that I was given some freedom to use my creative arts, my creative gifts, and they wanted to rise up and become leaders as well, which was really neat. And there was two one-on-one customized therapies as well that I developed um, all, all outside of work hours. Um, I, I gave extra because they cared about me as a human being, both the patients and the staff. The culture was incredibly compassionate, encouraging. We joked around together. We were professionals. We got the work done. Um, But we also had time within the workday to have our own form of healing as well. We had time to chart notes. We had a long lunch period so that we could uh, collaborate as staff members Um, we did a lot of, uh, events for the patients, um, holidays. We tried to give them like fun dance parties because they really enjoyed music and they really enjoyed dancing and they were stuck there. They, they were there. Any of them were there in our hall for at least six months, up to 30 years. So for many of them, that was their home. And you might as well treat it like a family if you can. Of course, they had work to do. They had, you know, their treatment teams they had to meet with on a regular basis. And some of them had jobs and things like that. Uh, But we had a good time. We tried our best to treat them with dignity, to treat them with love. Um, You know, that professional, platonic, agape love where you don't expect things in return. Um, I remember one patient in particular, she wasn't in our Move Happy program because she exercised daily. That was a part of her uh, condition. She had an eating disorder, but she asked me a couple of times to print her lyrics to some songs that she she really liked. And I remember one was the Titanic song, uh, My Heart Will Go On. She couldn't remember some of the lyrics and she wanted to sing it. And so I printed off her the lyrics. It wasn't something that was in my quote unquote job description, right? Um, but it wasn't something that was outside of it either because I could print her a one page of lyrics if that made her more joyful that day to be able to sing a song that brought her back to the time when she was watching that movie back in the day, right? Um, We did what we could to provide a safe, stable healing environment for these, these patients that many of them had experienced horrific things in their lives and... When you give good to others, you get good back. Um, Not all the people there that worked there for the patients, I would say, were 
were kind and loving. I was blessed in the environment that I worked in because our treatment floor, our treatment team was was for the patients that had earned the right to show up to our our group. Um, they had to be showing up on their wards to their group therapy classes. They had to take their medications. They had to be showering and taking care of themselves on a regular basis. Um, they could not get into any fights or disputes, like their physical altercations, or they could not like curse people out, staff members or patients, because if they got in any altercations, their levels went back down to a one, or if they had uh, self-harm <clears throat> thoughts that they verbalized to staff members or patients that were then um, passed on to the charge nurse, they would go back to a level one and put on ward hold. So if they were down with us in the treatment mall, <clears throat> they were at a level three or above. Mm, I think they could be a level two, but they'd have to have a monitor, a staff monitored them uh, with them. And it was it was a fun environment for them because they earned the right. And so, yeah, we worked, but we also played hard as well. Um, four days a week, we had strong, strict therapies, whatever the group was, four hours a day. Um, and then they had sometimes they had classes on their ward as well, some other responsibilities they had to do. And then Fridays was our day to check in with them one-on-one, have movie, have um, we did decaffeinated sodas and or if it was cold, like winter months, hot cocoa or coffee, decaffeinated coffee, um, things like that. And they were able to heal through time, um, through being around others, hearing other people's stories of resilience um, learning about different methods of uh, breathing techniques to calm themselves down, to learn coping skills. Um, I learned a lot just working there because growing up in my family, um, yes, my parents uh, worked really hard, but dad's medical insurance only allowed for three sessions of therapy that were covered and then they'd have to pay out of pocket which is actually pretty standard when I took a psychology class in graduate school uh, it was like different forms of psychotherapies it actually said in the literature that that's pretty standard across the board for medical insurance hopefully things are changing I have had some jobs where there was unlimited sessions that were 100% paid out. Those kinds of companies, awesome medical insurance. You care about mental health. Um, I don't know all the ins and outs of why some companies only allow for three sessions, why some companies pay 100% or have 20 sessions a year, whatever the decisions are. Um, I believe wholeheartedly if, a, if an organization, if a company is able to have it incorporated in their medical insurance to have therapy provided if people need it, people will utilize it and they will show up and work harder at the job and they won't be turning over and going to other employers more frequently. We have the highest turnover rate in the nation, I think, in our history. Something's got to change. 
And it might mean that people that are making the big bucks in the top level leadership positions sacrifice some of their earnings in order to fund the greater good, the long-term vision of their organization. I remember when I was in this direct sales company with the leadership, Jeff Olson, his family, and the team. And one thing I remember, they were doing some adjustments to the compensation plan because they were listening to the feedback of the brand partners And they actually adjusted and cut bonuses out from the top level leadership. And all of the leaders were in support of it because they wanted all of their brand members, their team members were like family members to them. They wanted them to be able to have better financial success. And the top level leadership, Jeff Olson, created the comp plan so that he did not make any money initially in with the first Uh, company name and branding and whatnot. They've since changed names and changed branding um, because the company they originally partnered with um, got greedy, um, didn't like the agreement of getting 30%, wanted to have more, um, unfortunately. And so uh, they changed who they work with moving forward. Um, That company was able to break pretty much every Every level of competition in a 150-year industry, they made over $1.5 billion with a B dollars as an organization in five and a half years without any paid advertising. He desired to help make people's lives better. And sure, there was a lot of people that did not have the financial level of success. Um, I didn't get a lot of revenue joining it, but it was my first time as an adult learning about business, learning about how to talk to adults, um, taking care of customers, just all kinds of social anxiety things that I had learned to get over, um, building relationships with people, um, learning about how to talk about products on social media, learning social media and smartphone technologies. It was the first year I had a smartphone that I knew how to operate, um, and learning about how to run a business successfully, how to not uh, do things without you know ethics and whatnot, and uh, doing things the right way, the ethical way, and uh, being honest with what I sold. Uh, some of my customers, um, Mrs. United States of Washington State, um, from a few years ago, of course, she's not active in her role now, um, some of my customers and she's, she and I are friends to this day. Um, and she's been super supportive of all of my move happy endeavors and, and our family, uh, and the nonprofit. She was one that uh, connected me to some musicians last year. Uh, her father has passed away, but he was a first responder and whatnot. Um, the people that they encouraged me to connect to through the business system, teaching about talking to two people a day, reading 10 pages a day of a book that's going to make you a better human being, um, showing up to the trainings, being consistent, helping brand new people on the team, helping anyone that asks for help, whether you financially benefit or not. Um, that was a, that was a, a, a learning environment for me about 
what a great culture looks like, a winning culture, extremely healing, um, because that was the same year that my uh, divorce had started, encouraged me and encouraged everyone to help with big brothers and big sisters uh, for us to connect with the youth in our society. And I became a big sis as a result of it, which then also helped to bring me healing Uh, Because when we contribute to others, it helps us to forget about our pain that we're going through. And one of those leaders that did not financially benefit, um, she was not on our line of commissions. Uh, She was a, a vehicle earner, a very luxurious Lexus income earner. She did a great job. She was able to retire early as a postmaster general or postmaster of the United States Post Office and their Piala branch. She ran two of those branches that were the largest, um, I think she said the west side of Mississippi River or something like that. Um, she, she was on my uh, podcast last fall, stage four cancer survivor for many years through natural methods and means. And uh, she passed away through a medical mistake that was not her own. Uh, She talked about it on the show and talked about the focus of being a positive person, having a good attitude, showing up, giving your best no matter what, and taking a leap of faith, being the first to be kind to others and uh, to not focus on material things but on um, your social relationships, the friendships that you make with people and whatnot. And she was our keynote speaker August 18th of this year for our Real Entertainment Therapy Experience 2.0 on on our content topic of our community. And now that is one of the strongest predictors of our happiness. Extremely healing year, um, extremely challenging year, uh, but we continue moving forward no matter what life throws at us. Again, because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. So we might as well have a good time. She was our keynote speaker, followed by international business leader and veteran of the United States military, At one point, he was responsible for 3,500 employees. He's done business, international business, with celebrities. He used to be a guest VJ on MTV. He's worked in security protection for Mick Jagger. Extremely humble human being. And he recently got married. I'm super happy for him. And his wife, they're going to do an official wedding ceremony um, later on in uh, Turkey, actually. And he was uh, one of our speakers as well. And he openly released um, information about uh, being wrongfully fired for sharing that he was going through experiencing PTSD really bad. And the person that got him fired years ago was actually someone that he had trained for the position that he had left that company and then come back. Uh, mental health is such a challenging topic. It's something that is not seen physically, uh, but we see the symptoms and the signals 
of it. And the more kind we are to others, compassionate understanding, the more we learn about the different diagnoses um, and assume the goodness in others, and I believe no matter where we're at, people will rise to the occasion if we give them a safe space to have some autonomy give them a safe space to assume the best in them and allow them to be heard and show them dignity and respect. And the hall that I was in when I worked in the psychiatric hospital, yes, they were medicated. Yes, they earned the right to come down to our hall, but there was some uh, days where people were triggered and we did have to use our emergency pager button where everyone um, in all four hospitals started coming to you know, to us to make sure we were safe and whatnot. There were a few instances where there was uh, bad treatment team meeting days for people that weren't doing what they were supposed to or were cycling or were cheeking their meds or just weren't following the system or got in a fight, you know, different things, and then they took out their anger and frustration on others. I was never put in a dangerous position once, never once. I treated everyone with dignity. I went above and beyond being kind and compassionate And we had a U.S. Marine veteran patient that had took me under his wing of protection that first week uh, because my colleague Sayaka had asked me to share about what had happened in my family and why I was sad. And I told them all that my dad had died. And that was my third day with patients. And then I started crying and I was vulnerable and I was real. And he was sitting at the table next to me and he pushed so vivid memory he pushed the box of Kleenex towards me and as I'm wiping my tears he says you know my my wife uh, I spent nine years by her bedside because she had cancer and uh, it was really hard when I lost her I lost a lot of my identity when she passed away So my heart goes out to you. I'm sorry for your loss. I never had anyone try to hurt me or harm me because he and I connected and we built rapport. And he decided, he decided, he made that decision to to be my protector and to be all of the women's protectors. And I'm grateful for that because had he not gone through the loss of his, his spouse to cancer... And then got himself into the hospital situation and been there in that right time. When I worked there for that short period of time, none of, none of this would have been possible. None of it. You have to appreciate both the good and the bad. And don't even say the word bad. Use, use like another term like the good and the otherwise, the learning experiences, because we learn through it all. We get healed through it all. The same gentleman, this U.S. Marine veteran that lost his spouse to cancer was a part of our program. The first round and the third round of Move Happy. And my third billable program of group therapy to the state of Washington was actually a program I designed for him. Because every Tuesday after the group therapy classes, we met with all of the psychologists from the wards. 
and uh, we did need to know information updates and they updated us um, on patients and whatnot and his name came up in the meeting. We'll call him Dan to protect his privacy. So the psychologist for his ward said uh, Dan is refusing to sign his VA paperwork and transitional paperwork. Um, He keeps on saying that he has more paperwork coming to him, but we don't know of any paperwork and uh, we need we have a lot of people on the wait list for his bed so if you guys could encourage him to get him to sign the paperwork we think he's nervous about being transitioned out of the hospital so I said to myself there is a need that I can help bring more value so I asked if I could upgrade the transition group to help patients prepare for life back in society. I knew that they uh, needed to be mentally prepared first in their mind before they could do it in their bodies. And so I created, without any financial resources, no budget, I created the Life Transitions Group. And uh, for the first few weeks, we had it co-facilitated with one of the staff members that had been there for, like I think, like 19 or 20-something years um, she at one point had told me that she was in the wrong place at the wrong time and had actually gotten pummeled from a patient like a football player and they broke her cervical vertebrae and she was uh, she was bedridden for like a year. And during that year, her her husband at the time decided to leave her. So she was like having to take care of herself, bedridden and whatnot so she got when she started healing again she she came back to the hospital and then she joined the security team for a little bit and was helping like de-escalating situations and whatnot so she had transitioned back to the treatment mall team and so I was glad that she was a part of our group because she had all of these experiences with the patients and still believed in the goodness of the hospital and came back showed up after that and so she was one of our um, colleagues for the group we read Jeff Olson's book and uh, uh, three, two or three days a week. Uh, it was called The Slight Edge. It's been rewritten many times. And uh, many organizations, realtors, um, athletes uh, will buy the book for their teams. Because um, you're either growing or you're declining. And it's a simple book on how to keep your team members growing and improving and whatnot. Um, and then the other book or the other magazines we read... I had a magazine subscription to this, the slight uh, or the uh, success magazine, and they had different leaders on the front page of it. Uh, one of them at one point was Joel Osteen, uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes. Um, I think there might have been a third one as well. And so every other day we'd either read from the book or we'd read articles from leaders of that magazine, and then we'd have discussions on how to prepare for life out in society. Um, we also brought in uh, one of the registered dietitians to help them with grocery shopping on a budget because they had $50 in discretionary income outside of their housing <clears throat> and they'd get some like food, probably food siphons if they couldn't have a job. But $50 in discretionary income is not a lot of money if you want some maybe like um, special items and you maybe need to buy measuring cups or different things like that. And wanted her to teach them how to read nutrition labels and how, you know, because there's a lot of 
a lot of things that are allowed in the food industry that aren't necessarily helpful to people um, preventing diabetes type 2 and etc cetera, etc cetera. and we wanted to just take care of them to help them as best we could give them our best because they deserved it just like any other person deserves to be treated the best with the knowledge that we have available and uh, one, I remember when I asked them, like, what are their big bodacious dreams and goals are for life um, after being in the hospital? And one of the patients said they'd love to either live in or visit Ireland. And I said, really? As a matter of fact, one of the ladies that helped me edit my book, and many of the patients knew about the book because a lot of the staff members had bought it after my boss Sue had given me a free promotion that I didn't ask for I gave her a free copy of the book when I first started there I'm just letting her know I was grateful for the job and so some of the staff members on the wards were reading my book of stories of whole life affirmations to them and then they started spreading word around the hospital we got a published author on our team and so one of the editors of my book because I learned how to be resourceful without a lot of money um, lives in Ireland And I said, if you'd like, I can get permission for us to give her a call on this little internet device and you can talk to her about what life is like in Ireland, if you'd like. And uh, we couldn't, unfortunately, get our our schedules aligned before I um, had transitioned away from from that position. But it was really neat to see the patients open up, their imaginations start opening up, and they started feeling and expressing that they were more hopeful Um, and that one particular patient the U.S. Marine veteran actually gave me words of encouragement when I had earned this promotion that my boss had told me in 30 years no one was ever interviewed for without a license in therapy I had not only been interviewed I had earned this promotion and then a few weeks after earning it and being in the position they had changed their minds um, somehow at our legislator. Uh, They had voted against mental health yet again. 60 people had lost their jobs. They had to shut down the high-risk call and put those patients back on the wards for all of the staff members that were in those positions before to work with them in addition to the other 28 to 30 patients they were responsible for and I got placed back in my original position Um, I had been engaged and my fiance had broken up with me at this point Um, I had prayed for us to break up but I it still was hard to deal with that and now I couldn't afford to be in this spot because I needed to move out and I was not feeling very hopeful but I had poured so much love and kindness and extra work that in my time of need, my patient knew that I needed some some support. And he encouraged me. He said, Aaron, this program, don't you dare give up on this program. You will be sharing this outside of this hospital. <sighs> he said this many times, the different versions with the same, uh, the same uh, outcome or goal. He said, Aaron, you're you're just as good as all these speakers you've told us about. I will see you one day on stage with Joel Osteen, Joyce Myers, Tony Robbins, Oprah Winfrey, Ellen DeGeneres. You're just as good as them. You will be sharing this. Do you understand? 
<laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> How do you argue with someone like that? That was back in 2017. As I was transitioning out of the hospital my last few days there, he gave me some final words of encouragement. And he said he would be somewhere in some tropical place someday. And he'd, he looked forward to being able to see and hear that I kept going, that I kept the move happy thing going. So one day I hope to honor him publicly, although uh, keeping Dan's privacy is uh, my utmost important uh, preference as a professional in the mental health space. And now as an advocate that's in the ranking for a global ambassadorship for the United States of America, only five years later, uh, found out two years ago. So three years after his words of encouragement, I just did a little bit every day while working, while moving across the country to help a family member transition to single parent life, starting careers over because people had harassed me in the workplace and not modified uh, based on my medical needs, um, which is not uh, ADA compliant, but you do what you got to do to keep moving forward, um, harassed me, bullied me on teams that are funded from the government, uh, left those jobs, were asked three times to come back to one particular job that competes against o Oprah Winfrey's uh, Weight Watchers uh, business. been offered to be paid in gift cards as a, a coach to people uh, because they found my podcast was in the top 10% rankings across all categories in the United States. When you contribute, excuse me, not in the United States, in the world, uh, out of 2.4 million shows, uh, podcast shows in the world, somehow you guys that are listening to the show have allowed us to be in the top 10%. It doesn't make any sense to me. But I believe as we contribute to others, as we keep it humble, and I'm learning every day to show levels of humility, but I also am learning that the Creator desires for me to share the truth of the work that I have put in and that I've only been able to put in through the energy that leaning into this calling has given back to me there is so much healing when you contribute to others and I can't explain it enough to you I encourage you to take action ask yourself if you're not sure what it is that you are called to do get down on your knees get quiet and ask the creator of the universe what is it that you desire for me to do with my life how can I be used? How can I be of service to others and then be quiet? It will be revealed to you. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode on healing. We hope that we added value to you. We hope that 
you learned something, take a little bit, leave what you don't, or take it all and leave nothing behind. It would mean the world to us if we did add value to you, if you would share it on social media, help us spread the mission of Move Happy to help empower those, especially those with depression, to find happiness from within so they wouldn't give up hope and they would keep on going tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that. If you want to send it to a friend or family member, that's great too. And for those of you that have been enjoying the show for a minute, you might know about the listening room experience. And for those of you that this is the first time listening to the show, we are doing a contest. This is something fun. It's free to participate. Um, All you got to do is get our attention. Uh, Write a review on iTunes or comment on the Podbean website app. Um, Share it on social media and tag us. The more consistent you are in spreading the brand and the mission, uh, the more likely you will get an invitation to the exclusive private VIP experience, which is the listening room experience. Uh, It is a first-to-the-market music release where I will be sharing original music with you, and uh, I'll be inviting some of my music friends, though I can't guarantee their time. Uh, But I will say that... uh, People have said yes often when I reach out because I don't ask a lot of people and I try to make it fair for both parties. Uh, So it's been a fun thing for us and just kind of working towards building this brand out. And when we get to 10,000 downloads, that's our first level invite of the listening room experience. So you can check out where we're at with the downloads at any time from a computer or laptop Just go to themovehappy.podbean.com to see where we're at with the downloads. That's T-H-E-M-O-V-E-H-A-P-P-Y dot P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com. And uh, invitations, uh, assuming that the creator desires for us to get this thing going again, uh, we'll send those out. And there has been a Judas in our circle that took a payment uh, to have me taken out. Um, of the entire universe Um, and then when that didn't work the first attempt um, also has been trying to destroy my reputation um, has been allowing people to steal from me for two years so the creator told me to stop posting and sharing content on social media until otherwise notified until he corrects the wrong gets us uh, a meeting with our top level leadership that are alive today and apologizes in front of all of their faces. My husband and I will shake hands with him, we'll hug it out, we will forgive him, he will pay back sevenfold to all of the people he has stolen from. He will never do this again to anyone else. And we will wash our hands of the situation and we will move forward with complete forgiveness. So I look forward to that day, but until that day happens, we might have to put a pause on the invite, Um, but we do want to encourage you to be a part of the listening room experience. Um, In the future, we'll continue on with um, inviting next level after we get to 10,000. Of course, we'll do a new challenge and whatnot to keep the mission flowing and to keep encouraging people to focus on keeping a positive mindset, building a strong level of community members, friends, um, coworkers, colleagues, family, etc., cetera, uh, and keeping a level of movement or fitness daily uh, 
to help with our happiness levels and uh, incorporating music in some capacity, whether it's being a creator and adding to the music space or being an, uh, an audience member and appreciating music um, on a regular basis to help balance your mood, improve your uh, level of happiness. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to tell someone you love them today. And we'll see you next time.